The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welch, and you are listening to episode 277 of the podcast. Or you're joining me live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. If you want to catch the show live, make sure you subscribe on one of those three platforms. Turn on your notifications so that those platforms will let you know when the show is going live, like right now. Today is Sunday, March 6th. For those of you keeping track, this year is kind of flying by already before you know it's going to be Halloween again. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, We are one day removed from UFC 272. Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal in the main event. Grudge match of all grudge matches. Um, Great card, I thought. I thought there were some very entertaining fights. Before we get into any of that, I wanted to address something somewhat MMA news related. Uh, the situation with Cain Velasquez. Uh, this is this is a tough one for me, uh, as I'm sure it's a tough one for anyone who's a parent hearing about this situation with Cain. As you all know, Cain Velasquez, former UFC heavyweight champion beloved fighter um it never heard anybody say a bad thing about kane he seems like a really stand-up dude there's a lot of support for him right now um took the law into his own hands went after a real life bad guy harry eugene galarte we'll put his name out there i don't care if anybody else happens to find the guy uh, Galarte lived in the same building as a daycare that his mother owns. He was not an employee of the daycare, but he would go into the daycare and take children into the bathroom and molest them. This is coming from the police reports uh, of the children who were interviewed. Uh, who attended the daycare, and they said that he would tell them to say that nothing ever happened. Galarte's defense was one time he helped a kid with his pants because he noticed they were on wrong. I'm not even okay with that. You don't work at the daycare. What are you doing in there? Why are you putting your hands on a child at all? I don't care if you're fixing his pants. I don't care if you're tussling his hair. I don't care if you're giving him a little jab on the arm and saying, way to go, sport. That's not your kid. You don't work at the daycare. Keep your hands off the kid. I think a lot of you already know where I'm going to go in terms of how I feel about this situation with Kane. Obviously, um, 
it, it gets me angry just thinking about it. Uh, people who commit these kinds of crimes, who engage in this kind of behavior, are uh, the, the worst kinds of scum in the world. I think any, anybody who's a parent would like to think that they would do the same thing that Kane did. And it, from what I can tell, reading all of the articles about the situation, it wasn't Kane's child. I believe it was his nephew. And that doesn't change anything. If I find out something like this is happening to one of my nieces or nephews, um, it, you know, it's, it's game on. And, um, I, I can't say I agree with the methods. You know, this is a, a former UFC heavyweight champion. If he had just gotten a hold of this guy, uh, he could have done whatever he wanted, and the charges would have been much less severe. He went on an 11-mile high-speed chase trying to catch the guy and then fired a gun into the car and shot the wrong person. Okay. This guy's family knew what he was doing. He's living right in the building. Somebody has seen him walking kids into the bathroom. Somebody has seen those same kids coming out of the bathroom looking distressed. And nobody did anything about it. Cain Velasquez did something about it. And I get the argument. He put a lot of people at risk. It was an emotional reaction. It was dangerous what he did. He could have hit somebody, an innocent person with the, with his car. He could have killed a child. He could have fired that gun and, you know, hit, hit somebody that wasn't even involved, not even in the car. Um, you know, it was reckless. <clears throat> it was irresponsible. It was illegal on many counts and it it's what every single one of us would feel like doing if it happened to a member of our family uh just to put this in perspective i took my daughter to the zoo here in tampa uh, a few months ago and um an employee at the zoo told her that she could she had a little toy baby carriage and the security guard at the zoo told her that she couldn't bring her baby carriage into the zoo. They didn't allow that for some reason. And my daughter just burst into tears. If I told you guys what I thought about doing to that guy, just for making my daughter cry with words, uh, and you don't have children, you might think I'm a psychopath. But just to kind of put in perspective for you, where I align on the treatment of children, especially children in my family. I'm a very passive guy. It takes a lot to get under my skin. It takes a lot to make me angry. Very few people have ever even witnessed it. I can't even put into words the amount of rage that I would feel if I were in Kane's shoes. And he was wrong. He was wrong for what he did. I can't, I can't justify it. 
legally. You know, he put a lot of people in danger. He shot the wrong guy. <laughs> he was wrong. But if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't want to be right. That would be severely blinding rage. And I can't even imagine what he was going through mentally at that time. And now, because now he's in jail and he's separated from his family and it's not looking good for him. It's not looking good. I mean, he was charged with multiple things. And here's my problem in all of this. Okay. The, the biggest problem for me is why the fuck was this guy, Harry Eugene Galarte, let out of prison without bail? He was charged with the crimes. He was considered not a threat. Not a threat. So they were just going to put him under house arrest instead of keeping him under surveillance. And he wasn't allowed within 100 yards of a child. That's not enough, California. All right? And I don't want to get political with you guys, but someone charged with these types of crimes should not be released back into the public ever. Ever. If you're found guilty of something like this, that's it. It should be treated the same as a murder because you have taken away the innocence of a child. You've damaged them psychologically for life, most likely. You know, I'm sure there are cases where kids bounce back and, you know, go through therapy and things like that, but. This is one of the most heinous crimes I can think of. And I think the punishment should be super strict. And I don't think he should have been released. This whole situation could have been uh, avoided if he was not released. And apparently it was against the orders of the district attorney's office. So this laid back attitude in the California legal system is a huge part of the problem. And it's really upsetting for me. I'm glad I don't live in California uh, where they just apparently let people molest children and then put them right back on the street. Sure. Go ahead. Go back to uh, living in your mom's daycare. <clears throat> From what I've read, the daycare has been shut down temporarily and their license is under review um it should be taken away they need to be investigated thoroughly uh they need to seize any and all camera footage from that place and prosecute everyone everyone because there are a lot of people who are letting that happen i can guarantee you that i need a drink I just had to get that off my chest. I thank you all for uh, sticking with me on that one. If you're still here now, I can talk to you about some fights because that's why you're here. You're not here to listen to me banter about politics and, and criminals and things like that. Um, I, I hope, um, I hope the California legal system is as lenient on Kane 
as they were on Galarte by just letting him walk out the door. Because Kane's not a threat. Kane's not going to go and, and harm anybody or walk any kids into a bathroom. All right. <clears throat> Enough about that. Enough about that. Need another drink. Sipping on some Buffalo Trace with cream soda. I need I, I rarely crave anything sweet, but I needed just like a little kick of sugar. I'm dragging a little bit today because um, I was up late watching the fights last night. Great fights. And then uh, I was up early this morning because I had to take my daughter to a birthday party for one of her classmates. Um, and it was cool. You know, it was at a local park and they had a bounce house for the kids and everything. And um, yeah, it was nice. Mingled with some of the other parents, uh, which is not a strength of mine. I'm not much of a mingler. You know, I'm, I'm more of a homebody. Uh, I can talk to you guys, but uh, as far as like socializing and, and stuff, uh, I'm not the best. Not the best, but um, it, it was important to my daughter to go to this birthday party. So, of course, I wanted to bring her, and she had a great time, and uh, it was cool. But I'm exhausted, so I need a little uh, need a little pick me up here, a little cream soda in my bourbon. Um, all right, let's let's get into it. UFC 272. Kobe Covington, Jorge Masvidal. I don't have to bore you guys with the backstory how these guys were roommates and they were really close and now they're like awkwardly bitter enemies uh the the press conference was so cringeworthy from from both of these guys actually um it it was just i don't know if they were trying too hard um to to like sell the fight or to build it up or like because think about this. You've all been in this situation where you've had somebody who was close to you in your life. And for whatever reason, you went down separate paths. Could you imagine running into that person, you know, three years later in a public setting and just screaming at them? I mean, granted, they're they're scheduled to get into a cage fight, uh, but that's their job. Um. I just, I, I can't imagine it. Like people have, have come and gone out of my life and, um, it, you know, it's never really affected me. I don't hold any hostility for anybody. I hold some hostility for Harry Gillarte. I can tell you that much. Fuck that guy. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just, I want to say it was too much, but at the same time, I couldn't walk away. You know, it, it's like they say that usually the comparison is like it's a car accident. Like you can't it, it might be horrific, but you can't look away. This was more like two bicycles colliding. And it it's just awkward because it's like two people, two adults fell off a bicycle, but you can't stop looking at it. Um, that was that was what the press conference was like. It was like a bicycle crash that you couldn't look away from. Uh, so a lot of buildup, but I was, I was excited for the actual fight itself because I was curious how it was going to play out. I had an idea that it was going to play out pretty much the way it did. Uh, but you never know. You get an angry Jorge Masvidal. He came in there. He looked in great shape. Um, but 
he looked flat pretty quick. Um, I don't know if it was just an adrenaline dump. I don't know if it was the pressure from Colby Covington, but it, it just seemed like he couldn't get his footing in there. He couldn't get his timing. Um, and, and that's what Colby does to people. You know, that's the X factor. You can argue until you're blue in the face that Colby's not a great fighter because you don't like his personality, whatever. I get it. I get it. You want to find reasons to devalue him as a fighter. You can't convince me that he's not great. The way he pressures people, the way he takes people out of their element, it's not just the wrestling. It's the pressure. It's the volume of strikes. He outstruck Jorge Masvidal, too. How many people can say that? You know, Usman landed that big shot on Masvidal. Tell me how many people, like, really outstruck him. You know, he had a good back and forth with Ally Quinta many years back, which, you know, a lot of people think Masvidal won that fight, and Iaquinta got the decision. Um, but for the most part, can you remember anybody, like, really outstriking Masvidal? Um it seems like the game plan was for Masvidal to attack the legs of Colby to kind of slow down the takedowns. And that just went out the window because Colby wouldn't give him the space. Every time Jorge was going to swing at the legs, Colby would switch stances and he was pushing him up against the cage. There was that one moment in the fourth round where Masvidal dropped him. Um, and, and that was probably the biggest shot of the whole fight. Um, but you know, Colby, the reason his chin is so good is because his cardio is out of this world. You know, your chin is is fairly directly correlated to your cardio. The better cardiovascular shape you're in, the easier it is for you to recover from blows to the head. I can't explain the exact science behind it. That's just that's just how it is. I guess maybe maybe your your blood flow is better. So like if your brain gets shut off, they, your body will pump some more blood to it real quick and uh, and get you up and running again. I don't know. Something like that. Makes sense, right? So he dropped him in the fourth round, but then he went to walk forward to follow up and just kind of stopped like he was exhausted. It is, it is exhausting having someone, another grown man, the same size as you, Making you carry all of their weight. And it terrifies people. They don't want to admit that. When they talk about it, they say, oh, that's boring. Wrestlers are boring. That's how they try and put it down. But what they're really saying is they're scared of another person who can hold them down against their will for 25 minutes and punch them in the face. That's scarier than being finished. That's scarier than being knocked out. That's scarier than being submitted. Because it's over like that. If you get knocked out, you don't even realize what happened. I've never been knocked out. But I've been choked unconscious. You know, if I was on this stage, I would probably rather be choked unconscious than be dominated for 25 minutes. People are afraid of it. But they don't say that. They say it's boring. Boring to watch. I didn't think there was anything boring about this fight. 
I thought it was two high-level guys going at it. I thought it was Colby Covington proving that he's the second-best welterweight in the world. If Kamaru Usman doesn't exist, Colby Covington's champion for a long time. I hate to break it to you guys. Then the fight ends, and they give Colby a microphone, and, you know, it's back to cringe town. I get why people don't like the guy. I'm able to separate the character from the fighter. I know a lot of you are not. A lot of you are very emotionally invested in the character, and that's what he wants. It's intentional. He's trying to extract emotions from you, so you talk about him, which helps him build his career. That's how it works. That's all it is. I know I'm breaking down the fourth wall here or, or opening the fourth curtain, whatever they call it in pro wrestling, but if you don't like Colby Covington, it's because you're marking out for his gimmick. I hate to be the one to tell you. You got to separate him. Uh, when he started talking about Dustin Poirier, um, I was cringing pretty hard. Um, you know, it, and a lot of people criticizing Colby for saying, well, why are you calling out a guy that's a weight class below you? Well, Dustin said that he's thought about moving up to 170. And these guys have personal issues. You know, they also used to train together. I don't need to see that fight. There's nothing about it that interests me. Um, I, I don't even care for the trash talk between the two. And then Colby starts, you know, mentioning Dustin's wife and his kids. And, and that crosses the line for me. I don't like that. So what do you do with Colby? Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look here. Take a look at these rankings right quick. So <clears throat> this column right here is the welterweights. Uh, I think you give him the winner of Gilbert Burns and, and Makachev, to be honest. I mean, there's there's nothing else. You can't give him another title shot. He's lost twice to the champ. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, give a title shot to Leon Edwards or Vicente Luque. Um, Colby Covington fights the winner of Gilbert Burns and Makachev. And then if you're the promotion, you hope there's a new champion by the time, it, you know, Colby wins his next fight, if he does. Uh, I think Colby and uh, Makachev would be a great fight. I think Colby and Gilbert Burns would be a great fight. You know, would would Colby take him down? Because you don't want to be on the ground with Gilbert Burns. That guy is a submission machine. So I think that's what you do. Uh, as far as Masvidal, man, I don't know. I don't know what you do there. There's some fun fights for him here. Um it depends, you know, if you're looking to keep Masvidal around, you just give him give him a fun fight. If you're looking to like kind of phase him out, maybe give him Sean Brady. It depends. Depends what you're looking to do with him. Um I wouldn't put him in there with another wrestler. I wouldn't, you know, looking up and down these rankings, I wouldn't give him Bilal Muhammad. I wouldn't give him Neil Magny. Uh, Wonder Boy doesn't really make much sense because you're not going to really 
be able to build any friction there. I maybe give him the loser of Gilbert Burns and, and Makachev. <laughs> Jeff Neal would probably be a good fight, but you know, is he a big enough name to draw into Masvidal? Cause Masvidal is still a big star, even coming off of, I think three losses in a row. Now the, the dude's still a big star. He's got to be top of the bill. <clears throat> Mark says Masvidal versus Connor. It looks like the promotion is looking to give Connor a title shot at 155, which I don't agree with, but it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> that's it. It is what it is, and that's all it is. Um, yeah, that's that. I, I thought Colby was so impressive. I mean, I, I don't see how you can put down the guy's accomplishments. I mean, what he's done to Robbie Lawler, to, to Damian Maya, um, who else? Tyron Woodley, RDA, Don Young Kim, Brian Barberina, Max Griffin. Uh, I mean, his body of work in the UFC outside of his fights with Usman. Um, it, it's an incredible run. The guy's a great fighter, you know, love him or hate him. He's good. He can fight. All right. I'm willing to die on that hill. Call me event. Rafael Dos Anjos. At a catch weight, 160 pounds against Hanato Moicano. So Moicano steps up on, I don't know, four days notice, something like that. So Rafael Faziv. Was supposed to be in there, but he came down with COVID. And that's not going to happen. I need to pour myself another drink here because I'm still thinking about this Cain Velasquez situation in the back of my mind here, folks. So bear with me. Cheers to you all. So Moicano steps up. I wasn't thrilled about this fight just because there's no... It's like we're do we're doing this just to have the fight. There's no other reason, you know. It's at 160 pounds. Moicano fight, fights at 145 pounds. Um, and and it was five rounds for why, why, <laughs> why was this five rounds? Especially after watching it, like it should have been stopped. It should have been stopped in the third anyway. It even if it was a three round fight, Mike Moicano's got one eye, and you gotta you gotta credit him for his toughness. But there's a certain point where he can't win anymore, and you, you gotta you gotta stop it. I know credit to Mark Goddard because I'm usually the biggest critic of Mark Goddard because I don't like him, but. I'll give him credit here. He was doing the right thing. Like he kept bringing the doctor in and he's like, are you sure he can see out of that eye? I think we should probably stop this. Like he's taking too much damage. And, you know, he was, you know, he was trying not to disrespect Moicano's toughness, but he really was trying to find a way to stop it. And then Moicano comes back, arguably won the fifth round. After taking a beating of a lifetime, I think it was 50, 50, 44 
on a couple of judges' scorecards. No, 50-43. You know, several 10-8 rounds. RDA looks so good. Uh, He's been away for a while, but, man, did he shake the rust off. The way he was ducking under the hooks of Moicano right into the double legs, that was beautiful wrestling. Beautiful. And Moicano's a stud off of his back, but you have to remember RDA is like an old school Brazilian black belt where if he's on top of you, it's a nightmare. He's not necessarily great off of his back. RDA, you know, we've, we've seen that in the past, but on top, he's like a black belt's black belt. And he wasn't even really going for submissions. He was just beating the shit out of Moicano. But I didn't need to see five rounds of this. I didn't need to see any rounds of this. This fight make no sense. Um, you know, I'm glad Moicano got a paycheck. I'm glad he got, uh, I'm sure he got the respect of his peers and of the promotion for stepping up on short notice and for taking that beating and and continuing to move forward. And, and he shocked the hell out of me when he was fighting back in that fifth round and even uh, stumbled RDA a little bit. But RDA looked great. He really did. Um, you know, his timing was was perfect. Um, what do you do with him now? Throw him in there with uh, Michael Chandler? That would be fun. Maybe you throw him in there with Dustin Poirier. That'd be a good fight, too. I don't know. It's like... How is RDA still this good at that age? <laughs> Pretty incredible. All right. Uh, here's the biggest shock of the night for me, I'll admit. Um, I did not see why Edson Barbosa was such an underdog against Bryce Mitchell because Bryce Mitchell has not had nearly this level of competition in the UFC. Uh, so he goes from... Let's see. Comes into the UFC in 2018. The first person I can actually identify on his record is Charles Rosa in 2020. And then his last fight was against Andre Feely. Good fighters. Edson Barbosa is an elite fighter. That guy's a monster. Great takedown defense. Explosive striking. Bryce Mitchell dominated him, man. Like The kid looked good. He looked really good. You know, he's beating him on the feet. Um, the, the wrestling, the, the way he was chaining things together. Phenomenal. Now what do he do with Bryce Mitchell? I think I should do this more often, have the, have the rankings here. I don't know if he's going to be uh, – I guess he'll be ranked after this. Well, oh, he is ranked. He was number 11, so he beat Barbosa, which is number 10. A uh, bunch of fun fights for him there. Dan Ige, Giga Chikadze. He's probably not going to get the Chikadze fight. Uh, Arnold Allen is fighting in a couple of weeks. Josh Emmett would be fun. Yeah, there's some, there's some fun matchups here. Eventually – Get him in there with Korean Zombie. That would be cool. The two guys with twister submissions in the UFC, have them fight each other. 
Uh, that would be fun. And then um, he he had some some really awkward interviews leading up to this that were really kind of off-putting and disturbing, and he's really into conspiracy theories and stuff like that. I won't get into it, but I will praise him for the fact that he's donating a big part of his check to uh, children's charity in his home state of Arkansas. So credit to him for that, man. A lot of these guys are out here complaining about they don't get paid a month paid enough and he, he's taken a good chunk of his paycheck from this fight and um you know donating it to 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 the kids so you, you have to respect that from bryce mitchell and you have to respect him as a fighter now i mean nobody nobody dominates edson barbosa like that joe rogan compared it to what khabib did to him for crying out loud Speaking of Khabib, they announced last night he's going to be inducted to the UFC Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. Dominant champion, 29-0. and 0. How do you argue with that? So, congratulations, Khabib. Big things. I mean, he's coaching. I think he coached two fighters on this card last night. He's got his promotion going, the Eagle FC. It looks like he's, you know, he's doing big things. It seems like he's happy, so... Congratulations to him. He definitely earned it. Um, Kevin Holland and Cowboy Oliveira. This was an interesting one. I think Oliveira uh, won the first round, and I don't know what he did, but he he woke up Kevin Holland. He had him in that that uh, weird position at the end of the fight. Where he had his back, and it was kind of a rear naked choke, but Kevin Holland's arm was in, and he gave the double thumbs up. Um and then he just came out like a bat out of hell in the second round and um, just blasted him 38 seconds um, and, and looked good. I, I like Kevin Holland at welterweight a lot. And I think there are some fun fights for him here. Um, he was ranked 14th at middleweight. So you could just move him right over, fight the number 14 guy. At welterweight in Ponzinibbio, that would be a fun fight. The fight I want is Kevin Holland and Michael Chiesa. I think that's a really fun matchup. Um, you know, now you got Chimaev uh, is going to be at welterweight for a while now, so those two will likely run into each other at some point. Um, and you got Shavkat Rachmanov here as well. Um, that would be an interesting fight. Hell, Kevin Holland and, and Jorge Masvidal would be fun at some point. You know, you could make that fight. That would be a fun build-up to that one. You know, I feel like that would be a more lighthearted, fun kind of trash talk. Um, but not yet. Not yet. I would keep him away from Sean Brady, for sure. You know, if you're looking to... Because Kevin Holland is a is a highly marketable guy. He's likable. He's funny. Um, and he can fight. I would like to see Holland and Chiesa. That's the fight I would make next. So. But what do I know? Uh, Sergey Spivak looked phenomenal last night against some dude. <laughs> Uh, Jalen Turner, man, what a beast. <laughs> what a beast. This guy's a problem. This guy's a problem. When he first came into the UFC, he just like didn't have his sea legs yet. You know, there was something off. He wasn't putting it together, but it's clicking now. Like 
I don't know if he's just gotten his confidence or he's matured a little bit. 26 years old. He's like not even in his prime yet. Four fight win streak. And all finishes. You know, he submitted uh, Brock Weaver, submitted Euros Medic in his last fight, and now the TKO over Jamie Malarkey. Um, that's impressive. That's impressive. Because Jamie Malarkey is a tough dude and a good striker. Um, but you know, five foot eight against six foot three at lightweight was was really the issue there. Um so let's see. My boy Eddie Law jumping on the show from the Keyboard Warriors podcast. You guys have heard it. You've heard Eddie on this show too. He wants Jalen Turner against Brad Riddell. I believe Riddell has a fight coming up. I want to say. Can I find out here? Let's see how well I can work this internet here. I didn't know Brad Liddell's nickname was Quake. <laughs> Learned something new. All right, so his last fight was against Fazeev. I guess he maybe doesn't have a fight lined up. I thought I did see his name somewhere. But yeah, that'd be a fun one. That'd be a really fun one. What else we have it? Yeah. Uh let's see. Matus Gamrot would be a fun fight for Turner. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, I'm looking at the right division. You guys make me think I'm crazy here. All right. Let's see. Even Mark giving respect to Jalen Turner after uh, beating his countrymen there. I know how patriotic you all you are, Mark. It's very humble of you to do that, sir. Um, let's see. Marina Rodriguez, split decision over Zhaonyan Yan. Yep, that happened. Uh, Nikolai Negamorano, uh, split decision win over Kennedy and Zechiku. A lot of people thought Zechiku won this fight. It was close. It was close. And he probably should have had two points deducted for the eye poke because he was warned before he did it. Then he did it. Then he got warned again. And then he did it again. And the last eye poke was bad. It was bad. I mean, he was like, he was like up to the second knuckle. It was, it was pretty gross. Um, and that changes the fight, you know, take a guy's eye away from him, but the, it was a good fight. It was close. Um, I think considering he, he should have had two points deducted. I was okay. Uh, with the decision going to, to Nikolai, uh, Marina Moroz. Um, submits Maria Agapova. Uh, so that, that was huge for her. Um, I, I can't imagine the, the level of stress, uh, that she was under going into this training camp being from the Ukraine and everything that's going on over there. Um, th this woman is next level tough, you know, um, because it, fighters always have things going on. You know, all these men and women have lives outside of this. So, all right. Apologies for that, folks. Looks like the internet froze up for a second there. 
Yeah, Marina Moreau's next level tough because all these men and women have lives outside of fighting. They all have things going on in their personal lives. You know, they fight with their boyfriends, they fight with their girlfriends, um, their, their spouses. That you know, their kids get sick when they're in training camp. Um, you know that they, they're that they have issues with their parents. They have financial issues. They have all the same problems that you and I have. And they have to suck it up and deal with it and perform on fight night. This woman's home country is being invaded where her family is living. And she went out there and performed and put on a great performance. Um, so credit to her. She won a bonus, I believe, which, you know, is great. I'm, I'm sure she's going to be sending some money back home to, to help her family take care of some things back there. So, um, you got to be happy for her. You know, that's that's a great story right there. Umar Nurmagomedov, which uh, for some reason Joe Rogan couldn't pronounce his name uh, <laughs> after the post-fight interview, submitted Brian Kelleher, made it look easy. Um, yeah, that's, that's a scary dude because, you know, Brian Kelleher is no slouch. You guys know. That's a tough dude right there. He's a gamer. And uh, Nurmagomedov just went through him like a knife through hot butter. Or what's the saying? A hot knife through butter? I guess it doesn't matter what's hot, the knife or the butter. Like, it's get, you're going to get the same. But if the butter's hot, then it's melted and you don't need a knife. All right. I talked myself through that one, guys. Don't worry. Uh, Tim Elliott coming away with unanimous decision over Tagira Ulanbekov. Um, I didn't see enough of that fight to have an opinion on it. It looked close to me. Uh, I was watching it, but it was kind of on in the background. Uh, Ludovic Klein, uh, I, I believe, took this fight on short notice against Devontae Smith, coming away, coming away with a split decision victory. Uh, I was cool with that one. And then uh, Dustin Jacoby with the unanimous decision over Michael Olajanchik. So there is that. Great card, I thought. It was fun. I was sitting outside watching it in my backyard. I set up the projector and um, you know, having a cigar, and I was entertained. Are you not entertained? Yes, I was. Oh, my biggest problem with this card, though, I paid for it legally through my ESPN Plus subscription. And it cut out in the second, I think it was the second round of the main event for like a minute and a half. What the fuck, ESPN Plus? 85 bucks for a pay-per-view after taxes, and you can't get these bugs fixed? Because they have all kinds of sports. Like, this isn't happening during, like, the Super Bowl. This isn't happening during, like, an NBA game or Major League Baseball. Like, why are you guys... Why are you guys charging so much money and putting the shitty web developers in charge of the UFC pay-per-view? Like, get the stream in order. You know? You're charging the money. Like, hire a good web team. Is that so much to ask? I'm giving you my money. Like, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with my money, Disney? You don't get enough of my money from my annual passes at your theme parks? and your Disney Plus app, and your ESPN Plus app, and Hulu, and whatever the fuck else you own. I'm giving you all this money. Like, give me some good content. 
at least in exchange. Like, get this shit together. Not that I condone using illegal streams, but quite honestly, from what I hear, the quality is better. So, I don't know, maybe hire the guys that are running the illegal stream to run the real stream. Paying you 85 bucks for it. All right. Glad I got that off my chest. This is a venting episode. I started off with the whole Kane Velasquez thing, getting that off my chest. Now I'm ripping into ESPN. I'm defending Colby Covington. This is like uh, this is like a therapy session for me, a drunken therapy session. That should be a thing. Drunk therapy. I feel like that would take off. You get people. Uh, you know, you really get into people's uh, emotions. You know, get them a little liquored up. It could work. I believe it could work. We got a great fight night coming up next weekend, folks. If you didn't know about it, let me tell you about it. Main event, Tiago Santos. Staying at light heavyweight against Magomed Ankalaev. And Santos, as of right now, last time I checked, he was a pretty pretty big favorite. Ankalaev is a beast, man. This dude's a beast. He throws like wild shit. He's only got one loss. Santos has like five fake knees, I think. After that fight with John Jones. So if you look at Ankalaev's record, he's coming off of wins over Volkan Ozdemir, Nikita Krylov, Ion Kutsalaba twice. Remember the first time they fought, it was like that. He was like playing possum or something, and the referee stopped it. Uh, and before that was the front kick knockout of Dalcha Lungiambula. Uh, only loss was to Paul Craig. And I, I feel like Paul Craig's on this card, so might be wrong there. Let me take a look here. Is he on here? No. Maybe it's next week. I was thinking Paul. Paul Craig's fighting soon. Uh, okay. Co-main event. Marlon Madais and Yadong Song. That's a great fight. Um, you know, the thing with Marlon Madais is he's, he's like crazy dangerous for the few, first few minutes and then He's known for kind of gassing out. I would like to see Marlon move up to 145. He's just too big. He carries too much muscle. The weight cut is too much. And then his cardio suffers for it. So um, I, I'd like to see him move up personally. Well, we'll see how this goes. Sadiq Yusuf and Alex Caceres, that's a sneaky fun fight. I don't hate that. Here is the banger on this card, in my opinion. Khalil Roundtree and Carl Robertson. This fight right here is going to be fireworks. I I feel like these two guys are just going to come out cracking. Cracking. That's going to be so fun. 
And I got a second sleeper pick for you guys this week. Drew Dober and Terrence McKinney. Uh, and looking at the odds, Drew Dober coming in on short notice for this one, I believe. He's a big favorite here. But Terrence McKinney has been a machine. I mean, he hasn't been outside of the first round in I, I don't know how many fights. I could look it up with one click, but I'm I'm not going to do that. Just for the sake of, of dramatic effect. And I'll give you a third one. I don't know why this one's so far down the card. I have no idea. But I am so stoked for this fight. Alex Perea and Bruno Silva. You're not supposed to talk about Bruno, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it, guys. We're going to talk about Bruno right here. Have you guys seen Encanto? I've seen it a few, seen it a few dozen times, if you can't tell. Uh, so Bruno Silva, undefeated in the UFC, knockout machine. Machine. He's knocked out everybody's fought in the UFC. Wellington Terman, Andrew Sanchez, Jordan Wright. Knockout, knockout, knockout. And Padilla, you guys know, uh, from uh, knocking out Israel Adesanya in kickboxing. So how do you not love that fight? I'm excited. I'm excited for that one. I can't wait. I can't wait for this whole card, actually. I just saw Mark's comment that says, short notice, they should make it a five-rounder. You cheeky guy. Uh, Matthew Semlisberger and A.J. Fletcher. That's going to be a good one, too. J.J. Aldrich and Jillian Robertson. Ooh, this is a sneaky bar, guys. Usually, like, the fight night after a pay-per-view is like, eh, okay, it's free. This is like, th these are great fights on here. Trevin Jones, Javid Basharat. Dame Jackson, Camuela Kirk. Camuela Kirk's a tough dude. That was, um, that's who Billy Quarantello fought on the Contender Series to get into the UFC. So he's, he's a tough dude. Uh, Sabina Mazzo against Miranda Maverick. That's a good one. Lungi Mbula against Cody Brundage. Chris Matinho against Guido Canetti. And Tafan and Chikwi against Azamat Mirzakhanov. The undefeated Amazat Mirzakhanov. Light heavyweights opening up the card. I feel like that's unusual. If I had a producer, I'd ask my producer to look up how many times a light heavyweight fight has been the first fight on a card. It's probably not many. I would say under a dozen. Just throwing that out there. Well, I'm excited for this card. UFC Vegas, whatever it is. Fight Night 203. I don't know how to count these things anymore. Fun card. Fun card. I'm excited, guys. I'm excited. 
I was excited about the pay-per-view last night. Even paid for it. And um, I'm excited for fight night next week. It's going to be a good week. All right. Well, if you've made it this far into the show, you obviously enjoy the show. So if you enjoy the show, you can purchase some merchandise from our friends at Team Reaper, reaper1.co. I keep forgetting to mention this at the beginning of the show. Like Probably before I go on my rants about uh, driving down pedophiles, um, maybe I should plug the merchandise. But I'm doing it here because I don't want people buying my merchandise unless you're okay with my rants about gunning down pedophiles. All right. So if you are and you often find yourself over the top, under the influence or both, then grab yourself an MMA on the rocks t-shirt, hoodie or tank top from our friends at Team Reaper. Reaper1.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMA Rocks 10, save yourself 10% on your entire order. Uh, <laughs> Mark says, don't forget to smash those like and subscribe buttons. Yeah, I always I always leave that part out too. You know what actually helps a lot is is the comments on YouTube. I feel like that's what drives the algorithm, but I don't really know what I'm saying. I feel like that's just something you hear. Um, yeah, so the merchandise is there. If you want it, go for it. I appreciate it. Um, I If you buy merchandise, though, full disclosure, I make money on that, and I will spend it on alcohol. But I will drink the alcohol on the show and hopefully it improves the content for you all. So that's that's it. It's the circle of life. And what else we got? What else interesting? That's it. That's all I got. I'm the, I'm emotionally drained from that rant at the beginning of the episode, folks. So that's all I got. But uh, here's a uh, cheers to all of you who are still here at the end of the episode. You're my favorite kind of people. And until next time, cheers, everybody.